0: Okay, guys, I hope there is audio there now. Is there audio? Is there audio? Let me know if there's any audio there. Um, Sorry about that. I think there's some little bit of uh, technical difficulties here, but uh, okay. All right, so now we got audio. Thank you very much. Uh, for letting me know, welcome everyone. By the way, I'm, I'm sure you probably saw you, you probably saw my greeting, but you didn't hear my greeting. So yes, welcome everyone, and uh, I apologize for that little technical glitch there. Uh, but yes, now we have audio. Um, yes, yeah, so tonight we're going to be getting into some of the some of the Levitical. Uh, uh, passages from Leviticus, some of the the laws regarding childbirth, regarding uh, homes with mildew, and and regarding um, uh, other kind of uh, like skin diseases, these kind of things. We're going to get into all these kind of laws. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, So looking forward to tonight. So what I'm going to be doing here is just in a few more minutes, uh, Lord willing, I will be... Um, let me see here. I will be also streaming live on a podcast as well. So, so I'm trying to get that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I hope you're all having an awesome, awesome evening. 1 John 226 on YouTube says, Shalom, Shalom, great to see you. Psalm 94 says, Hello and Shalom to all. Hello, Shalom, welcome. Vinny says, Shalom, everyone. Shalom, Vinny. Second, first says, Shalom. Calamantos says, Shalom to all. Shalom, Calamantos. Mark says, Shalom. And I see we have, okay, yeah. So now we have the audio fixed. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So, yes, we are going to get into some of the the laws of Leviticus. We're going to start with Leviticus chapter 12. Leviticus chapter 12. And we're going to head on from there. So let's, let's begin with Leviticus chapter 12. Verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, If a woman has conceived and born a male child, then she shall be unclean seven days. Now, in the footnotes here, it says impure seven days, unclean seven days. As in the days of her customary impurity, she shall be unclean. And on the eighth day, the flesh of his foreskin shall be circumcised. She shall be, or she shall then continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. She shall not touch anything, any hallowed thing or holy thing, that is consecrated thing, um, nor come into the sanctuary until the days of her purification are fulfilled. So basically, all in all, there is 40 days, right? The first seven days she shall be unclean and then the remaining 33 days shall be uh she can she shall continue in the blood of her purification 33 days. Okay. Now, um verse 5, this is Leviticus chapter 12 verse 5. But if she bears a female child, then she shall be unclean 2 weeks, 2 weeks instead of 1, okay? 14 days instead of 7 as as in her customary impurity, and she shall continue in the blood of her purification 66 days. So uh, this is, everything is double here. Instead of one week of her customary impurity um, kind of uh, uncleanliness, it's two weeks. Instead of th- th- uh, 33 days of the blood of her purification, it's 66 days. Double. Um, okay. Verse 6, it says, When the days of her purification are fulfilled, whether for a son or for a daughter, she shall bring to the priest a lamb of the first year as a burnt offering and a young pigeon or a turtle dove a turtle dove as a sin offering to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then he shall offer it before the Lord and make atonement for her. And she shall be clean from the flow of her blood. This is the law for her who has borne a male or a female. If she, ha- if she is not able to bring a lamb, then she may bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, one as a burn offering and the other as a sin offering so the priest shall make atonement for her, and she will be clean. Uh, in the footnotes again here, clean, pure, pure. Uh, one, one thing I want to bring to your attention, and that is that uh, in the Book of Jubilees, Book of Jubilees, uh, we have a little bit of an interesting um account of why these, like, why is it, you know, 40 days instead of, you know, why is it the male 40 days and the female 80 days? Let's go on over to the book of Jubilees. And this explains it. This is Jubilees chapter three. It says, you now in context, this is, this is, um, basically the creation story okay going into uh after adam and eve is created uh and so this is just in the very beginning in the beginning days here so it says here again um jubilees chapter three and on the six days of the second week we brought we being the angels remember the book of jubilees is spoken uh Dictated by angels to Moses, so Moses would be writing as uh, as an angel dictates to him, or angels dictate to him. Uh, so the, these are the angels speaking. So on the six days of the second week. We brought, according to the word of God, unto Adam all the beasts, all the animals, and all the cattle, and all the birds, and everything that moves on the earth, and everything that moves in the water, according to their kinds, and according to their types. The beasts on the first day, the cattle on the second day, the birds on the third day, and all that which moves on the earth on the fourth day, and that which moves in the water on the fifth day. And God named them all by their respective names, as he, and as he, had, as he called them, so was their name. And on these five days, Adam saw all these... Male and female, according to every kind that was on the earth, but he alone was found no helpmeet for him. So uh, it's kind of interesting, isn't it? It's like, uh, you know, uh, Adam's looking, it's like, okay, uh, you know, all the cattle have their own, a male and female. You know, everything else is male and female, but I'm just male. There's no female, uh, you know, for me. So let's go on here. This is verse four. In Jubilees 3 verse 4 And the Lord said unto us, again, this is the angel speaking, it is not good that a man should be alone. Let us make a helpmeet for him. And the Lord our God caused a deep sleep to fall upon him, and he slept, and he took for the, the woman one rib from amongst his ribs. And this rib was the origin of the woman. From amongst his ribs, and he built up the flesh in its stead and built the woman. Now, again, I know I said this before, but for those of you who are new, or if you haven't, if you haven't seen uh, my previous video on this, this is a picture um, of like a stereotype of the crucifixion right because as the lord god caused a deep sleep to fall upon adam so the lord god the father caused a deep sleep to fall upon yeshua jesus uh, in uh, on the cross okay because you know that death is speaking of uh, many times in scripture as sleep and it says as he slept uh, he took one of the uh He took one of the ribs, one of his ribs, uh, according to this, um, to make a woman out of that for Adam. In the same way, after Yeshua gave up the spirit, so to speak, uh, they took a spear, you know know, the story, and they plunged it into his side, pretty much, I can imagine, basically in the same, right through the ribs, right? Plunging it, really, to try to get it through the heart to make sure that he is dead. Um, and so it was that particular um that particular action that was kind of like the the final cutting of the covenant as it were uh, to produce his bride, right? The bride of Christ, so to speak. Moving on here in Jubilees chapter three, this is again moving on, this is um we're on verse six in the middle of verse six and he, that is God, awaked Adam out of his sleep, and on awakening, again, the, again, this is the picture of the resurrection, right? And on, awake, on on awaking, excuse me, and on awaking, he rose on the sixth day, and he brought her to him. And he knew her and said unto her, Now, uh, this is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh she shall be called my wife because she was taken from her husband therefore a man shall so man and wife be one and therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh now you know the old wo- the word woman literally means wo- out of man okay verse 8 In the first week was Adam created, and the rib, his wife, in the second week, he showed her to him, unto him. And for this reason, for this reason, the commandment was given to keep in their defilement for a male seven days and for a female twice seven days. So. Again, let's, let's read this again, because we just read in Leviticus chapter 12 how if a woman is to give birth to a male child, she is to um, undergo the customary impurity for one week. Female, two weeks. And here it explains the reason why. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? You know I mean? It's... It's not always a bad thing to ask God why, you know, why do you make laws like this? Why is this? How did this come about? And many times you can find the answer, sometimes right in the ancient manuscripts themselves, as we read here in the book of Jubilees. Let's read this one more time. In the first week was Adam created. Okay, again, this is Jubilees chapter three, verse eight. In the first week, was Adam created, and the rib, his wife, in the second week he showed her unto him. And for this reason, the commandment was given to keep in their defilement for a male seven days and for a female twice seven days. Verse 9, and after Adam had completed 40 days in the land where he had been created, we, speaking of the angels, brought him into the Garden of Eden to till and keep it. But his wife they brought in on the 80th day. And after this, she entered into the Garden of Eden. And for this reason, the commandment is, give, is written, on the heavenly tablets. Now, it's very interesting that it that it specifies here heavenly tablet tablets, because you know we know that Moses in in Leviticus chapter twelve he wrote it on earthly maybe parchment at that time, uh, but again you know the the Torah as Moses wrote it is not new. It's not new at all. It is eternal. It is forever settled in heaven. It is the word of God that is forever settled in heaven. Amen. Like, psalm 119 verse 89 it's the word of god that's forever settled in heaven it's always there not only just the torah the written word is was always there is there and will always be there on the quote unquote heavenly tablets but also as we've read before and we spoke of several times the tabernacle you know the and all of the furnishings of the tabernacle the bread, the table of showbread, the altar of incense, the lampstand, the Holy of Holies, and the Ark of the Covenant. There is all of those items in heaven. Now, I'm not talking about the items that Moses made or Bezalel made, you know, in, in back in Moses' day. I'm talking about the eternal furnishings of heaven that Moses basically just made a replica of. In the same way, when he wrote the Torah, he basically just wrote a copy of the Torah of what is already in heaven on the quote-unquote heavenly tablets. Very important to understand this. So we read just a few moments ago Leviticus chapter 12. Now that's from the earthly parchment, if you would, the earthly manuscripts. It dates all the way back to the time of Moses. That's That's not the heavenly tablets, okay? but here it says in in uh, jubilees chapter 3 verse 10 and for this reason the commandment is written on the heavenly tablets in regard to her that gives birth quote if she bears a male she shall remain in her uncleanness seven days according to the first week of days and thirty three days she shall remain in the blood of her purifying and she shall not touch any hallowed thing nor enter into the sanctuary until she accomplishes these days which are enjoined in the case of a male child but in the case of a female child she shall remain in her uncleanness two weeks of days according to the first 2 weeks and 66 days in the blood of her purification and they will will be in all 80 days and when she has completed these 80 days we brought her into the garden of eden for it is holier than all the earth besides and every tree that is planted in it is holy Mm -hmm. that's so interesting even the plants are sanctified even the plants are holy can you imagine having, having a garden or an orchard? Having a garden and saying, no, every, every tomato plant we have here, every fruit tree we have here is holy, holy. Verse 13, therefore, there was ordained regarding her who bears a male child or female child, the statute of those days that she should not, that she should touch no hallowed or holy thing. Ah, see, there you go. Right? Because Eve, Adam was not allowed to touch any quote-unquote holy thing, because everything, everything in the Garden of Eden is holy. So therefore, excuse me, that's that's the reason why he was kept outside of the garden for seven days after his creation. He wasn't brought into the garden until after seven days. He wasn't created in the Garden of Eden. In the same way, Eve was not created in the Garden of Eden. She was brought in after, well, not seven days, after two weeks, but it was 40 days here, it says, in 80 days. So this explains a lot of, of things that you don't read of in the in the book of Genesis. And that's the reason why they were not allowed to go into the, the garden uh, until their quote unquote purification or to, until a certain amount of time has elapsed because the everything in the Garden of Eden was holy and the Torah had to be fulfilled and yet again I, I wish we would have kept a tally on how many times how many pieces of evidence that we have that proves that the Torah is absolutely eternal there is no beginning there is no end of it. so in order, for the torah to be fulfilled god saw it fit to keep adam out of the garden until he was ready to come in same for eve he, she was kept out of the garden then she was brought in later when she would when it when she was fit to to touch any holy thing and that's the reason why we have those commandments in leviticus chapter 12 The verse 14 of Jubilees, chapter 3. This is the law and testimony which was written down for Israel in order that they should observe it all all the days. All the days. All the days. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? So, You wonder why God makes all these. Like we, we spoke on, um, was it Friday night? We spoke about God's dietary laws and why he why he commanded us to not eat certain things. You know, it's okay for us to eat many a lot of things. But there are certain things that he commanded us not to eat. And it's not just because of health reasons. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, even myself, I have said that, you know, that I've been much healthier after, you know, following the Levitical diet, the Torah diet, and that's true, but I think it's got a lot more depth to it than just a health just on that one dimension. I think there's a spiritual dimension as well behind it, and we read about that uh, in the Didache and also in the book of Barnabas. In the same way, when it comes to this, there is a spiritual dimension behind every one of these laws. God didn't just make laws for no reason. And some of these laws, I know people read it and they're like, Oh no, that doesn't sound good. Well, you know what? It doesn't sound good to our culture, our Godless culture today. But hey, I mean, we've got to trust God. We've got to to believe God. We've got to trust God. Let's continue with Leviticus chapter 13. Leviticus chapter 13, the law concerning leprosy. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 1. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, When a man has on the skin of his body a swelling, a scab, or a bright spot, and it becomes on the skin, on the skin of his body, like a leprous sore, leprous sore. This is Hebrew sarah, sarat, sarat, disfiguring skin diseases, including leprosy. Okay, um, and this is uh, the same the same definition as in verse twenty or two and verse um, forty six, or verses two to forty six, and. Um, Chapter 14, also, verses 2 to 32. Okay, so I think it's very, very important to understand that in according to the Hebrew word for this, sarat, or sarat, okay, this is not exclusive, this, this does not mean exclusively leprosy okay i know in many english translations it does say leprosy or sore, but that's not and i've heard this many many times uh from jewish rabbi actually uh he commonly would say this okay it says leprosy or you know this kind of saying sarat um it doesn't necessarily mean leprosy it could mean other skin diseases as well okay other skin diseases and it goes into actually much deeper things than that. Talk about deeper things. Um, there is the theory as well that that skin diseases, according to the the Torah, can I say can have a spiritual link to sins of the of the tongue, so to speak, uh, what you say, people who say things like uh, gossip or slander. Um, And you look at Miriam in Numbers chapter 12, when she spoke against Moses and she was struck with a skin disease. Okay. So there, there is that extra dimension in there as well when it comes to skin diseases. And I just say it can, according to the Torah be linked to sins of the tongue something that you speak that you should not have spoke moving on it uh, again let's, let's read verse two when a man has on the skin of his body a swelling a scab okay this is not just this is not just uh limited to leprosy this is like anything like a swelling, a scab, a bright spot. And it becomes on the skin of his body like a leprous sore, a sarat. Then he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons, the priests. Very, very interesting factoid I want to bring to you guys. And that is back in the days. Okay. According to the Tanakh, okay, according to the Word of God, and this is the way God set it up. The priests were the doctors. There was the priests were the doctors. Notice back in those days, there were no doctors, i.e., medical doctor. The priests were. And I think it's so, uh, what's the word? It's, it's just so unfortunate that today in much of the world, m- doctors and priests are so far apart. You know, the, pr- the medical practice is so far removed from the word of God, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So back in those days, it wasn't. The priests were the doctors. Verse 3, the priest shall examine the sore on the skin of the body, and if the hair on the sore has turned white, and the sore appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a leprous sore. Again, this, is, this is, doesn't necessarily mean leprosy here, okay? This is a sarat. Then the priest shall examine him, again, it's just like a doctor, and pronounce him unclean, okay? Again, unclean, defiled, defiled. But if the bright spot is white on the skin of his body and does not appear to be deeper than the skin, and its hair has not turned white, then the priest shall isolate the one who has a sore seven days. Isolate is like quarantine. By the way, the whole idea of quarantine is based upon the word of God verse 5 and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day it's always good to wait a week no less than a week it's always good to wait a week and indeed if the sore appears to be as it was and the sore has not spread on the skin then the priest shall isolate him another 7 days so if there's no no change take another week verse 6 then the priest shall examine him again on the seventh day. So that actually, this would be the 14th day, actually, the seventh, the next week, the next seventh day. And indeed, the sore, if the sore has faded, in other words, if it's getting better, and, and the sore has not spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. So even though it's not 100% healed the priest shall pronounce him clean. It is only a scab, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scab, should it all spread over the skin, after he has been seen by the priest for his cleansing, he shall be seen by the priest again. And if the priest sees that the scab has indeed spread on the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprosy, right? This would be a... An active, an active infection or disease. Verse nine: When the leprous sore is on a person, then he shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the swelling on the skin is white, and it has turned the hair white, there is a spot of raw flesh in the swelling. It is an old leprosy. On the skin of his body, the priest shall pronounce him unclean, and shall not isolate him, for he he is unclean. If the leprosy if leprosy breaks out all over his skin, and the and the leprosy covers all of the skin of the one who has the sore from his head to his foot, wherever the priest looks, then the priest shall consider. And indeed, the leprosy has covered all his body. He shall pronounce him clean, who has the sore. It, it has all turned white. He is clean. But when the raw when raw, raw flesh appears on him, he shall be unclean. And the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him to be unclean. For the raw flesh is unclean. It is leprosy. Or if a If the raw flesh changes and turns white again, he shall come to the priest. And the priest shall examine him. And and indeed, if the sore has turned white, then the priest shall pronounce him clean. Who has the sore, he is clean. If if, If the body develops a boil in the skin and it is healed and in the place of the boil there comes a white swelling or a bright spot, reddish-white, then it shall be shown to the priest. And if, when the priest sees it, it indeed appears deeper than the skin, and its hair has turned white, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore which has broken out of the boil. But if the priest examines it, and indeed there are no white hairs in it, and it is not deeper than the skin but it has faded then the priest shall isolate him 7 days and if he and if it is excuse me and if it should at all spread over the skin then the priest shall pronounce him unclean it is a leprosor but if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread it is a scar it is a scar of the boil and the priest shall pronounce him clean or if the body receives a burn on, on its skin by fire and the re- the raw flesh of the burn becomes a bright spot, reddish, white, or white, then the priest shall examine it. And indeed, if the hair of the bright spot has turned white and it appears deeper than the skin, it is a leprosy broken out in the burn. Therefore, the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a sore. But if the priest examines it, And indeed, there are no white hairs in the bright spot, and it is not deeper than the skin, but has faded. Then the priest shall isolate him seven days, and the priest shall examine him on the seventh day. If it has at all spread over the skin, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a leprous sore. But if the bright spot stays in one place and has not spread on the skin, but has faded, it is a swelling from the burn. The priest shall pronounce him clean, for it is it is the scar from the burn. If the man, if a man or a woman has a sore on the on the head, or the beard, then the priest shall examine the sore. And indeed, if it appears deeper than the skin, and there is in it yellow, a thin yellow hair, then the priest shall pronounce him unclean. It is a scaly leprosy of the head or beard but if the priest examines the scaly sore and indeed it does not appear deeper than the skin there is no black hair in it then the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale seven days and on the seventh day the priest shall examine the sore and indeed if the scale has not spread and there is no yellow hair in it and the scale does not appear deeper than the skin he shall shave himself but this but the scale he shall not shave and the priest shall isolate the one who has the scale another 7 days on the 7th day the priest shall examine the scale and indeed if the scale has not spread uh, over the skin and does not appear deeper than the skin then the, then the priest shall pronounce him clean He shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the scale should at all spread over the skin after his cleansing, then the priest shall examine him. And indeed, the scale has spread over the skin. The priest need not seek for yellow hair. He is unclean. But if the scale appears to be at a standstill, and there is black hair growing up in it, and the scale has healed, he is clean, and the priest shall pronounce him clean. If a man or a woman has bright spots on the skin of the, bo- of the body, specifically bright or white bright spots, then the priest shall look, and indeed, if the bright spots on the skin of the body are dull white, it is a white spot that grows on the skin, for uh, he is clean. As for the man whose hair has fallen from his head, he is bald, but he is clean. He whose hair has fallen from his forehead, he is bald on the forehead, but he is clean. And if there is on bald head or bald forehead a a reddish-white sore, it is leprosy breaking out on his bald head or his bald forehead, then the priest shall examine it, and indeed, if the swelling of the sore is reddish white on his bald head or on his bald forehead, as the appearance of leprosy on the skin of the body, he is a leprous man, he is unclean. The priest shall surely pronounce him unclean. His sore is on his head. Now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, and his hair his head bare. And he shall cover his mustache and cry, unclean, unclean. He shall be unclean all the days he has the sore. He shall be unclean. He is unclean and he shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Now, this is very, very interesting here before we go on too far. I want to say this. Other other Bible translations cover the lower part of your face. Okay, um, this is Leviticus thirteen forty five. Let's just go over to um, to this. I want to just draw your attention to this here for a second. In different Bible translations. He shall put a covering upon his upper lip says the King James. He shall cry unclean unclean. This is this is very much looking like almost like a a mask isn't it? is it not? He shall put a covering on his upper lip. Um he shall cover his mustache according to the New King James. They should they must cover their mouth. Okay? Uh that is in the NLT, cover the lower part of the face in the NIV, ESV. It shall cover his upper lip or his mustache. Again, CSB, cover his mouth. Right. Yeah, so most translations have got a variation of something of that. Upper lip, upper lip, covering your mouth. Covering your mustache, this kind of thing, it is. It does kind of bear the resemblance of 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 a mask. Um, And I just wanted to say this in regards to masks. I want to say something. For over two decades, I worked at a place that required. Um, part of the year it, rep- it required the um, it required everybody to wear a mask okay because what we we're we were working on is hot peppers and the hot peppers were cooked and when the hot peppers were cooked the steam of the hot peppers was very potent okay very very potent that steam would it, you couldn't. You it'd be very, very difficult to work in that environment. You've got millions of peppers. Okay, millions of hot peppers, literally hot in their te- in temperature, steaming hot, uh, cutting and slicing and and all that stuff. It is pretty much impossible to work in that environment without wearing a mask because you're breathing that very potent hot hot pepper fumes right into your lungs okay a lot of people couldn't even stand it so i have a little bit of experience having over two decades experience of behind i have a little bit of experience with when it comes to masks now these little Level three masks or whatever you call it. These little masks that you you see so much anymore. They put behind the ears and stuff like that. That would be absolutely useless. That would be absolutely useless in that environment. Even N95 masks, I'm telling you, didn't work that well. It was better, better, but it didn't work that well. What we had to wear... If you really wanted to be free, if you really wanted to ensure that you're not breathing these hot pepper fumes, uh, actually it was just, it was just steam, actually steam that, that that carried the capsicum, you know, element of the hot, hot pepper in it. What you had to wear is this. Okay. You had to wear this. so when it comes to you know, when it comes to what was going on in in the world recently i i I've said right from the very beginning, and I know this is extreme but if if someone wanted to really really filter out vapor moisture um water particles in the air that would carry viruses okay any other mask n95 would do a little bit maybe perhaps now i'm not a doctor i'm not a medical doctor so i cannot give you medical advice i can just tell you it when it comes to hot pepper fumes just the steam would go right through every other mask now if that if particles as large as a droplet of steam would go through other masks, how much more viruses? Right? Like, really? Honestly? Anything like this, or even more extreme than this, would be what ha- what what would have had to have been done in order to stop. A lot of people thought that... <laughs> I mean, a mask would do some good, right? A mask would do some good in the sense that, you know, when you're talking or when you're coughing or when you're sneezing, it would catch some things, okay? But obviously, it didn't do it didn't do much or else we wouldn't be in, in the problem. The world would not be in the problem that it's in, obviously. So, I just thought I'd mention that. That I said right from the very beginning, when I see these people, and you know, I understand nobody wants to walk, walk around with these things on for, but even if they did for like just, a, you know, if anybody within, with within, within this, within the aerosol space of, of a virus war, something like this, you know, for a couple of weeks and everything would have been done. Every It wouldn't, nothing would have, nothing would have become of the situation. As it would have, but they didn't because a lot of people, um, even doctors, a lot of people don't have the experience of, again, I'm, t- I'm coming from personal, I'm coming from like t- 20 two years 22 years of experience working in a in in an environment that had hot pepper vapor from steam right i'm not talking about gas i'm just talking about steam from from hot peppers and yeah so enough said about that um let's go on to so this is leviticus chapter 13 verse 45 now the leper on on whom the sore is his clothes shall be torn and his head bare he shall cover his mustache or again cover his mouth and cry unclean unclean he shall be unclean all the days uh, he has the sore he shall be unclean he he is unclean and he shall dwell alone his dwelling shall be outside the camp the law concerning leprous garments Also, if a garment has a leprous plague in it, whether it is a woolen garment or a linen garment, whether it is in the warp or woof of linen or wool, whether in leather or in anything made of leather, and if the plague is greenish or reddish in the garment or in the the leather, whether in the warp or in the woof, Or in anything made of leather, it is a leprous plague and shall be shown to the priest. The priest shall examine the plague and and isolate that which has the plague seven days. Let me just stop here for a second. Let me just stop here for a second. And I said this before, you know, you see this in the Torah, you see this in the scriptures, that the priest himself was the doctor. It's like the priest himself... It's almost like the priest himself was like the doctor, and it's almost like a scientist too. But God is a scientist, right? Um, that I've heard testimony from way back, you know, way back in the eighteenth, what, what was it now, seventeen hundreds, eighteen hundreds, when um, you know doctors did not know about communicable, communicable diseases. Like, you know, they did not know much about uh, viruses or bacteria and all this kind of stuff. Um, and they're wondering, like, they would go from patient to patient to patient and they were wondering like why certain doctors would have, you know, if one patient would get sick and it's like everybody would, like what, what would happen? How did that happen? And they would just, and this is science by the way, this is secular science. And they would kind of just write it off as, fluke like it's just like well it's just like that's fate it just happened um you know coincidence or whatever um but there was this one doctor and this is how it really started the ball rolling in 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 regards to um what virus like the origin or the the concept of viruses and bacteria being transmissible um, there's this one doctor, he was a Jewish doctor and he observed the Torah. And because he observed the Torah, he would wash his hands a lot, right? And he would, he would observe all of these different kinds of laws of, you know, quarantine and, and all that kind of thing and cleanliness and covering this and washing this and all that kind of thing. And his patients would be much healthier. And when one patient was sick, the other patient wouldn't get it. And there was just a shock. What, 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 was, what happened here? And, you know, after looking at it and examining it, it's like, what are you doing? Why do you wash? Why do you do what you do? Why do you change? You know, well, the Torah says so. And through that is how they came about to, to understand about the transmission of viruses and bacteria. Very interesting history. Very interesting history. Science is, uh, sci- It took thousands of years for science to even slightly catch up to the technology of the Torah. Leviticus 13.51 And he shall examine the plague on the seventh day. Again, seven days. It's very important. Right? There's, a, there's always a seven-day rule. The seven-day rule. I don't think it's very healthy, at least according to the scriptures. It's not very healthy. It's not a very good idea to, um, to push it faster than seven days. If the plague has spread in the garment, whether in the warp or in the woof, in the leather or in anything made of of leather the plague is an act of leprosy it is unclean now again keep in mind just a little bit of a reminder keep in mind this leprosy Sarah, Ot, uh, does not necessarily mean leprosy it's talking about like a um, it's kind of like a catch-all word for different diseases verse 52 he shall therefore burn that garment in which is the plague again why would they burn it of course, it would kill all the germs, right? Kill all the germs. Right? So God doesn't tell us these things, right? God doesn't tell us all of the whys of why, um, but I mean, you know, we just um, we listen to Him, we we trust Him. Whether in the, wolf or the wolf, uh, warp or in the woof, uh, in the wool or in the linen or anything of leather, for it is an act of leprosy. The garment shall be burned in the fire. Again, this is way before they knew about you know germs and all that kind of thing, at least the secular world verse fifty three But if the priest examines it, and indeed, the plague has not spread in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof, or anything or in anything made of leather. Then the priest shall command that they wash the thing which is in the plague and he shall isolate it another 7 days. Then the priest shall examine the plague after it after it has been washed. And indeed, if the plague has not changed its color, though the plague is not spread, it is unclean. You shall burn it in the fire. It continues eating away, whether the damage is outside or inside. If the pre examines it, and indeed the plague has faded after washing it, then he shall tear it out of the garment, whether out of the warp or out of the woof or out of the leather. But if it appears again in the garment, either in the warp or in the woof or in anything made of leather, it is a spreading plague. You shall burn it with fire. That that in that in which is the plague, and if you wash the garment, either the warp or woof, or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time. So a lot of washings here, and it shall be clean. So we read a lot about this. We got lots of washing, washing uh, with this. Um. Watching all kinds of different things. Let me just see some of the comments here. Clutch is talking about, different, talking about the mask. That's so true. Uh, over there on YouTube, we have 1, 1 John 2.26. When you wore that respirator, did you have a beard? Uh, not so much as I do now. Um, Jeff Short on Facebook says, where is the washing of hands in the Torah? Was it only for priests? And after touch, and after touch the unclean things, um, yeah. Like you, you, if you look up the word "wash," if you go to something like Blue Letter Bible and type, you know, "wash" with a aster, asterisk in after it, it's a wild card. it will show you everywhere that it says "wash" or "washing" or "washed," um, anything like that. And you'll see, like right from right from the very beginning, like even after doing the uh, everything, uh, the the sacrifices. Even though they're not even, you know, they're clean animals and they're they're healthy animals, they still had a wash basin. They're always washing their hands there in the um, uh, in the temple. And you, we we read so much about washing here, lots of washing. The whole idea of um, a mitzvah um, is washing. Uh, there's a lot of lot of different things in, in the scriptures in the um, Torah and the Tanakh about washing. Uh, and that's ba- the whole idea of the mitzvah as well is where we get uh the Christian idea from baptism um wow. which is a symbol symbol of washing and yes, well mainly uh, n- not only for the priest um as we read here uh w- when someone has been uh, uh if they have uh recovered from their illness, they're supposed to wash as well um and as we read here, even the garments are to be washed and um But, yeah, the priests, especially because they they were the ones that were the doctors of the day. Very good question, Jeff. Thank you. Vinny says, yeah, those respirators work so well for spray painting. And when using heavy solvents, it filters amazingly well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, very good. Okay, so let's uh, continue here. Um, So, the last verse we read here is If you wash the garment uh, either in a war- warp or woof or whatever is made of leather, if the plague has disappeared from it, then it shall be washed a second time and it, and it shall be clean. This is the law of the leprous plague in a garment of wool or linen, either in the warp or woof or in anything made of leather to pronounce it clean, or to pronounce it unclean. Leviticus chapter 14. Ritual for cleansing healed lepers. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, This shall be the law for the leper for the day of his cleansing. Again, the leper here, according to this, is, see the note for 13.2. Again, here it's the Hebrew serat. Uh, disfiguring skin diseases, including leprosy. So it's not just limited to leprosy. Uh, He shall be brought to the priest, and the priest shall go out of the camp, and the priest shall examine him. And indeed, if the leprosy is healed in the leper, then the priest shall command to take for him uh, who is to be cleansed, Two living and uh, two living and clean birds, cedar wood, scarlet, and hyssop, and the priest shall command that one of the birds be killed in the, in an earthen vessel over running water. As for the living bird, he shall take it the cedar wood and the scarlet and the hyssop, and dip them, and the living bird in the blood of the in blood of the bird that was killed over the running water, and he shall sprinkle it seven times on him. "...who is to be cleansed from the leprosy, and shall pronounce him clean, and shall let the living bird loose in, an op- in the open field. He who is to be cleansed shall wash his clothes, shave off all of his hair." Again, why shave off the hair? Why shave off all hair? Because, you know, hair is one of the—it it carries a lot of pathogens, right? It carries a lot of pathogens. I remember when this whole thing first broke out and, you know, in the beginning of 2020 there, you got people in China shaving their hair. And of course, these people are not even Torah observant, but they, they know the concept. And the concept is here thousands of years ago, right? It was here thousands of years ago. Shave off all your hair, wash himself with water that he may be clean. After that, he shall come into the camp and shall stay outside his tent seven days. But on the seventh day, he shall shave all his hair off his head and his beard and his eyebrows even. All his hair he shall shave off. He wash his clothes and wash his body in water and he shall be clean. Lots of washing, lots of shaving, lots of getting rid of all of the different hosts that could host some of these germs, you know. Lots of cleanliness going on here. Again, Leviticus chapter 14, verse 10. And again, let me just say too as well, and I have to say this for some of the, as a disclaimer, okay? So, you know, we talk about a lot of things here. I'm not a medical doctor. You know, you want medical advice, you go to your medical doctor. So, but uh, we have some uh, advice from, we have some of God's from uh, from the word of God, right? And so, that's, that's amazing. As I said, history, even medical history, tells us that a lot of these doctors that have learned a lot of these things have learned it and is from the Torah. The whole, the whole idea of quarantine and washing and all this stuff is from the Torah. It's from the Torah. Thousands of years ago, who knew? God knew. Leviticus chapter fourteen verse ten and on the eighth day he shall take two male lambs without blemish, one new lamb of the first year without blemish, three tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, and one of oil. Then the priest shall uh, the priest who makes him clean shall present the man who is to be made clean and those things before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Isn't that awesome? I mean, the tabernacle was like, the, it, was the, it was the center of the community. I mean, literally, spiritually, physically, geographically, it was everybody was encamped around the, the tabernacle. It was the spiritual center, and it was the medical center as well. It was everything. It was like every, everything you need, just go to the tabernacle. right? Just go to the tabernacle for everything you need, and it was right there. It's amazing. Verse 12. And the priest shall take one male lamb and offer it as a trespass offering and the log of oil and wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb in the place where he kills the sin offering and the burnt offering in a holy place. For as the sin offering is the priest's, so is the trespass offering. It is most holy. The priest shall Take some of the blood of the trespass offering, and the priest shall put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Now, again, this is symbolic. It's okay, symbolic of right ear, would be your hearing, right? Your hearing, your understanding, your, you know, everything that comes that, that way. Your right thumb would be your work, your, your works, right? And your right toe. Big toe of your right foot, that would that would be symbolic of your walk, okay? So to cleanse what goes in, what you produce, and your walk even. Very interesting. Verse fifteen. And the priest shall take some of the log of oil and pour it into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall dip his right finger in in the oil that is in his left hand and shall sprinkle some of the oil in his finger or with his finger seven times before the lord and of this and of the rest of it of the oil in his hand the priest shall put some of the tip of of the right excuse me the priest shall put some on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed on the on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot On the the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord. Atonement, covering, covering, literally covering here in the footnotes. Verse 19. Then the priest shall offer the sin offering and make atonement for him who is to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Afterward, he shall kill the burnt offering. And the priest shall offer the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and he shall be clean. But if, the poor, but, but if he is poor and cannot afford it, then he shall take one male lamb as a trespass offering to be waived to make atonement for him. One ephah, one-tenth, excuse me, of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil as a grain offering, a log of oil, and two turtle doves, and two young pigs, as he is able to afford. Now again, notice, notice notice the law, notice the, the heart of God here, okay? God is not strictly saying, you got to do this, doesn't matter how much you, whether you can afford it or not, no. Do what you can, basically, that's that's really the bottom line when it comes to the Torah. We read about this before in Leviticus chapter 5, right? If you can't afford a lamb. <laughs> and that's the whole idea about sacrifice, right? When you we're, when you to bring a sacrifice, a sacrificial like an an animal to sacrifice, it was a sacrifice. It was a sacrifice in more ways than one. It was it was a it was a it was a financial sacrifice. You had to buy it, to buy an animal like that wasn't cheap. Wasn't cheap. So If You can't afford a lamb, as it says in Leviticus 5, then you know, a couple birds, a couple birds. Birds are not that expensive, as even Yeshua said, right? Jesus said, you know, these birds sell for what is it, a penny, a couple pennies. You know, so that's not very expensive. But he said, even if you can't afford the birds, then just bring flour, right? Something, right? But it's gotta be a sacrifice. But you see how God he made provision for people who can't afford certain things. Right? Just bring, you know, such as he is able to afford, as it says here in verse 22. One shall be a sin offering and the other a burn offering. He shall bring them to the priests on the eighth day for his cleansing, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting before the Lord. The priest shall take the lamb of the trespass offering and the log of oil, and the priest shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then he shall kill the lamb's pass offering, and the priest shall take some of the blood of the trespass offering and put it on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of his right hand, on the big toe of his right foot, and the priest shall pour some of the oil into the palm of his own left hand. Then the priest shall sprinkle with his right finger some of the oil that is in his left hand seven times before the Lord. And the priest shall put some of the oil that is in his left hand on the tip of the right ear of him who is to be cleansed, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot, and on the place of the blood of the trespass offering. The rest of the oil that is in the priest's hand he shall put on the head of him who is to be cleansed to make atonement for him before the Lord. And he shall offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons such as he can afford. Such as he is able to afford, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him who is to be cleansed before the Lord. This is the law for one who had a leprous sore, who cannot afford the usual cleansing. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, "When you come, when you have come into the land of Canaan, which which I give you as a possession." And I put the leprous plague in a house in the land of your possession, and he, owned, and he who owns the house comes and tells the priest, saying, It seems to me there is some plague in the house. Then the priest shall command that they empty the house before the priest goes into it to examine the plague, that all that is in the house may not be made unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in and examine the house. And he shall examine the plague. And indeed, if the plague is on the walls of the house with ingrained streaks, greenish or reddish, which appear to be deep in the wall. Okay, in the footnote here, uh, lower than the wall, lower than the wall, basically in the foundation almost. Then the priest shall go go out of the house, to the door of the house, and shall shut the house seven days. right, in the footnote shall quarantine the house seven days. And the priest shall come again on the seventh day. Again, here we are. It's, It's always a week, guys. It's always a week, never less than a week. So the priest shall come again on the seventh day and look. And indeed, if the plague has spread on the walls of the house, then the priest shall command that they take away the stones in which is the plague. And they shall cast them into an unclean place outside the city. He shall take the. the, uh, He shall cause the house to be scraped inside, all around, and the dust that they scrape off, they shall pour out in an unclean place outside the city. Then they shall take other stones and put them in the place of those stones, and they and he shall take. Other mortar and plaster the house. Now, if the plague comes back and breaks out in the house after he has taken away the stones, after he has scraped the house, and after it's plastered, then the priest shall come and look. And indeed, if the plague has, it is an act of leprosy in the house, it is unclean. And he shall break down the house, its stones, its timber, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall carry them outside city to an unclean place moreover he who goes into the house all the while while it is shut shut up he shall be unclean until evening unclean or defiled until evening and he who lies down in the house shall wash his clothes and he who eats in the house shall wash his clothes again there's the washing the washing uh because of the uh, this sounds to me more like you know they call it a leprosy but i would say more like a mold mold like what to do with and these these houses are not made with uh the same way in the way in the same way as houses are made today it sounds like they they're made uh, the walls are like stones and mortar um and so it's not the same kind of house not made with the same kind of material uh, However. Uh, we still got the idea here of the transmissibility of this quote-unquote disease or the mold uh, in so much that they have to wash their clothes and such. Verse 28, But if the priest comes in and examines it, and indeed the plague is not spread in the house after the house was plastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean, because the plague is healed. Ache. To cleanse the house, two birds, cedar wood, scarlet. Then he shall kill one of the birds in an earthen vessel over running water. And he shall take the cedar wood, the the hyssop, the scarlet, and the living bird, and dip them in the blood of the slain bird and and in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. And he shall cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and the running water and the living bird with the cedar wood, the hyssop, and scarlet. Then he shall let the living bird loose outside the city in an open field to make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. Verse 53. Um, Then he shall let let the living bird loose outside the city in in the open field and make atonement for the house, and it shall be clean. This is the law for any leprous sore and scale for the leprosy of a garment and of a house for a swelling and a scab and a bright spot to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean this is the law of leprosy okay again keep in mind this this word leprosy can can mean a variety of things right different diseases on humans and mold on a house and so on and so forth Let's uh, continue here with Leviticus chapter 15. The law concerning bodily discharges. And the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When any man has a discharge from his body, he is, uh, his discharge is unclean, and, and this shall be his uncleanness in regard to his discharge. or his body runs with his discharge or his body is stopped up with by his discharge, it is his uncleanness. Every bed is unclean on which he who has the discharge lies. Okay, unclean or defiled in the footnote here. Verse 4, every bed, oh, excuse me, I just read that. Um, and everything on which he sits shall be unclean. And whoever touches his bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Again, we have this whole idea of some transmissibility here, okay? I.e., we know of today as being germs, okay? But even if you touch something that isn't that has these germs on it, it says here to wash. Wash. Verse six, he who ha, he who sits on anything on which he who has the discharge, sat, sat, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and shall be unclean until evening. And he who touches the body of him who has the discharge shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. And any, and if he, he, excuse me, and he, if he who has the discharge spits on him who is clean, Then he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. Any saddle on which he who has a discharge rides shall be unclean. Whoever touches anything that was under him uh, shall be unclean until evening. He who carries anything any of those things shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and shall be unclean until evening. And whomever the, the one who has the discharge touches and has not rinsed his hands in water, he shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and be unclean until evening. The vessel of earth that he who has the discharge touches shall be broken and every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. Now, again, the vessel of earth here, speaking about uh, like a clay vessel. Uh, and the, again, the idea is something that is clay. Now, this is not like how we have some clay things today that are, you know, got um, uh, something that seals it. This is something that is um, uh, clay that is, that's like very porous. So, because of its, uh, the, property of being so porous uh you know if something that is defiled or unclean touches or enters that vessel the vessel meaning something like maybe a um a bowl or a a cup mug something like that um you know that earthen vessel that clay vessel would just soak in all that infection right that's why it is it's to be broken it says here, every vessel of wood shall be rinsed in water. Again, we have the idea of washing. And when he who has a discharge is cleansed of his discharge, then he shall count for himself seven days for his cleansing, wash his clothes, and bathe his, his body in running water. Then he shall be clean. On the eighth day he shall take for himself two turtle doves and two pigeons and come before the Lord to the door of the tabernacle to give them to the priests. Then the priest shall cover them, the one as a... Not cover them, excuse me. Then the priest shall offer them, the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. So the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord because of his discharge. If any man has an emission of semen, then he shall wash all his body in water and, and be unclean until evening." And any garment and any leather on which there is semen, it shall be washed with water and be unclean until evening. Also, when a woman lies with a man and there is a mission of semen, they shall bathe in water and be unclean until evening. If a woman has a discharge and the discharge from her body is blood. She shall be set apart seven days. Set apart uh, literally here means in her impurity, shall be in, in her impurity seven days. And whoever touches her shall be unclean until evening. Everything that, t- that she lies on during her impurity shall be unclean. Also, everything she sits on shall be unclean. Now remember, uh, just a little bit of a side note here. Remember, they didn't have the hygiene products that we do have today, uh, hence the, the laws. Verse twenty one: Whoever touches her bed shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and shall be unclean until evening. And whoever touches anything that she sat on uh, shall wash his clothes and bathe in water and shall be unclean until evening. If anything is on her bed or on anything on which she sits, when she touches it, he he shall be unclean until evening. And if any man lies. With her at all, so that her impurity is on him, he shall be unclean seven days, and every bed on which he lies shall be unclean. If a woman has a discharge of blood for many days, other than the time of her customary impurity, or if it runs beyond her usual time of impurity, all the days of her unclean discharge shall be as the days of her customary impurity. She shall be unclean. Every bed on which lies all the days of her discharge shall be to her as a bed of impurity, and whatever she sits on shall be unclean, as the uncleanness of her impurity. Whoever touches those things shall be unclean. He shall wash his clothes and bathe in water, and shall be unclean until evening. But if she is cleansed of her discharge, then she shall count for herself seven days, and after that she shall be clean. And on the eighth, Eighth day she shall take for herself two turtle doves and two young pigeons and bring them to the priests to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Then the priest shall offer the one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for her before the Lord for the, the discharge of her uncleanness. Verse 31. Thus you shall separate the children of Israel from their uncleanness, Let lest they die in their uncleanness when they defy my tabernacle that is among them. This is the law for one who has, who, has, who has a discharge and for one who emits semen and is unclean thereby, and for her who is indisposed because of her customary impurity, and for one who has a discharge discharge, either a man or a woman, and for him who lies with her who is unclean. Leviticus chapter sixteen, Day of Atonement, right? Yom Kippur. Now the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered pro- profane fire before the Lord and died. Remember how we we studied that there uh, several days ago. And the Lord said to Moses, "Tell Aaron your brother not to come, and just at just any time." "...into the holy place inside the veil, before the mercy seat which is on the ark, lest he die, for I will appear in the cloud above the mercy seat. Thus Aaron shall come into the place with with the blood of a young bull as a sin offering, and of a ram as a burn offering. He shall put the holy linen tunic and the linen trousers on his body. He shall be girded with a linen sash, and with a linen turban he shall be attired." These are the these are holy garments. Therefore, he shall wash his body in water and put them on. In other words, he's got to make sure he's clean before he puts them on. Verse five, and he shall take from the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of goats uh, as a sin offering, and one ram as a burnt offering. Aaron shall uh, Aaron shall offer the bull as a sin offering. Which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house, and he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of me. Then the Lord shall cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat on which the Lord's lot fell and offer it as a sin offering, but the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented. Alive before the Lord to make atonement upon it and let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bull of the sin offering which is for himself and make atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall kill the bull as a sin offering which is for himself. Then he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from the altar before the Lord uh, with his hands excuse me with his hands full of sweet incense beaten fine and bring it inside the veil and he shall put the incense in the fire before the Lord that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is on the testimony lest he die now don't don't forget here incense is although I do believe this is literal however Figuratively speaking, incense represents prayer. And we, we see that in the book of Revelation, right? So figuratively speaking here, before you come into the Holy of Holies, before you come into the great presence of God, make sure, make sure you are covered in prayer. Verse 14, he shall take some of the blood of the bull and sprinkle it with his finger on the mercy seat and on the east side, or on the, east side, I should say, and before the mercy seat, he shall sprinkle some of the blood with his fingers seven times. And he shall kill the goat of the sin offering, which is for the people, blood inside the veil, do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bull, and sprinkle it on the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. So he shall shall make atonement for the holy place. Interesting, right? That you have to make atonement for the holy place. This is not talking about making atonement for the people right there, but the the place itself. Because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel, because of their transgressions for all their sins, and so he shall do for the tabernacle of meeting, which remains among them in the midst of their uncleanness. There shall be no man in the tabernacle of meeting when he goes in to make atonement in the holy place, until he comes out, that he may make atonement for himself for his household and for all the assembly of israel and he shall go out to the altar that is before the lord and make atonement for it and he shall take some of the blood of the bull and some of the blood of the goat and put it on the horns of the altar all around and he shall sprinkle some of the blood on it with his finger seven times cleanse it and consecrate it from the uncleanness of the children of israel and when he has made an end of atoning For the holy place the tabernacle of meaning and the altar he shall bring in the live goat so again you see here how even inanimate objects places things such as the tabernacle itself altar has to has to be atoned for has to receive atonement isn't that amazing it's like, is your home saved? Is your home, do you have atonement? You know, how about uh, your apartment? How about your land? Is, has atonement been made for that? Very interesting. Verse 21, Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over It, all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Then Aaron shall come into the tabernacle of meeting, shall take off the linen garments which he put on when he went into the holy place and shall leave them there. And he shall wash his body with water in a holy place, put on his garments, come out and offer his burnt offering and the burnt offering of the people and make atonement for himself and for the people. The fat of the sin offering he shall burn on the altar. And he who released the goat as a scapegoat shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. The bull for the sin offering and the goat for the sin offering, whose blood was brought in to make atonement in the holy place, shall be carried outside the camp, and they shall burn in the fire their skins, their flesh, and their offal. Then he who burns them shall wash his clothes and bathe his body in water, and afterward he may come into the camp. This shall be a statute forever for you. In the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict your souls. Do no work at all. Okay, so this is the Day of Atonement, right? The Yom Kippur. And again, this is, again, something that is supposed to be obeyed, observed forever. Very important. In the seventh In the seventh month On the tenth day of the month You shall afflict your souls Humble yourselves Literally Humble yourselves You shall afflict your souls Remember the word affliction The word humble In the Hebrew Is very closely related To the Hebrew uh, to, To the word affliction Okay You shall afflict your own souls, humble yourselves, and do no work at all, whether a native of your own country or a stranger who dwells among you. For on that day, the priest shall make atonement for you, to cleanse you, that you may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. Notice, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't specifically explicitly require anyone to fast now typically speaking traditionally speaking to fast i mean everybody fasts on the day of atonement right yom kippur um, or yom kippur some people pronounce it like that yom kippur um, traditionally people fast it doesn't explicitly command you to fast So it it is possible to observe Yom Kippur without fasting. It just says to afflict your souls, to humble yourselves, to afflict yourself in that sense. So um, that's the only requirement really, uh, literally, that someone has to do. Verse 31, it is a Sabbath of solemn rest for you, and you shall afflict your souls. Again, it says afflict your souls. This is the second time. It is a statute forever. Again, it says forever. Okay? doesn't say until the Messiah comes. right? Okay. Does it doesn't say until Jesus comes and that's it. It says it's a statute forever. Forever. And the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister as priest in his Father's place shall make atonement and put on linen clothes, the holy garments, then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. I love it atonement covering right you shall make covering literally kavana co- covering for the holy sanctuary for the most holy place right. You know, Christ, in Christianity, a lot, of, a lot is spoken about atonement in the law of God. You have to, you, have to you, know, you know, offer your sacrifices for atonement. But not many Christians I hear speaking about atonement for things. Making atonement for things. Your home, your room, your apartment, and the furnishings thereof, or the items thereof. Then he shall make an atonement for the holy sanctuary, and he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting, and for the altar, and he shall make atonement for the priests. Here we are. Now we got the people coming in, and all the people of the assembly. The assembly meaning the, the church, so to speak. This shall be an everlasting statute, again, everlasting. How many times do we have these kind of words in this uh in this in this uh, chapter? Forever. Everlasting forever many times. This shall be an everlasting statute for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. And he did as the Lord had commanded Moses. So we have a comment here. Deidre says, uh, "Would you explain the offering process? I've heard it explained as, as a meal. The priests the priests have, and the burnt offerings is Yah's part of the meal. Yeah, um, I think it's very important. And again, you know, coming from the from a traditional Christian perspective, a lot of Christians believe that you know the animal sacrifices were all about just covering sin. Well, really." Um, Just a small fraction of them were. Just a small fraction of the animal sacrifices were were for covering sin. Most of the the animal sacrifices were for food, for the priest, um, for the widows, the the poor, the fatherless, the strangers, anybody who needed food it was a community it was a community uh thing it was like a community resource of it was a barbecue that people would attend it, you know also we have um animal sacrifices were made for to stock the feasts you know and the feasts were um again it's like a big barbecue like a big barbecue a very small portion of the animal sacrifices were for were for sin in the sense that most christians understand it to be Um, and what, what you don't read very explicitly either in the Torah, and this is something that I I have studied in, uh, and, and researched and read from a Jewish perspective, like read Jewish articles about it is what I'm talking about. Um, hearing rabbis speak about it as well. And teaching about this subject is how did the sin sacrifice work? What was it? Like, how did it work? because you see like it just reading this at face value you would think that you know it's almost like you know you come you bring your 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 sacrifice and you're covered but that's not the case it's not the case and we know that because of the fact that there are so many so many times all the way through the scriptures when god was disgusted at people bringing sacrifices for their sin, thinking that it covered their sin, but it, they didn't. It says, "No, I I, I reject your sacrifice." You know, you offer swine's. It's look what he said in in Isaiah. I think it's like you know, he's like he's disgusted. Amos chapter five. In various places throughout Isaiah, uh, in First King, many many places throughout the Scriptures. Um. In the book of Proverbs, two places, twice, God said, "The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination." Oh, but yeah, Lord, like Lord, isn't it that the wicked, oh, someone who is wicked, all they have to do is just bring a sacrifice and they're covered? And I mean, you're not, you, you don't, you know, you excuse their wickedness, you forgive their wickedness? No, that's not how it worked. It said. You, know, you look it up in Proverbs. It says over twice, twice in Proverbs. It says the sacrifice of the of the of the wicked is an abomination. So you put it all together. How did the sacrificial system work in regards to sin? So the idea the idea is that when you are when you bring a sacrifice to the priest. First of all, again, it has to be a sacrifice, right? I mean, it's expensive. It's 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 costly. It's um, it's something that impacts your pocketbook. You bring the sacrifice to the priest, and and you watch that animal being slaughtered, and as you watch it, its blood is poured out, and and it. You know, it, it dies. You are supposed to die with that, figuratively speaking. You are supposed to identify with that animal, figuratively speaking. When that blood is shed, there goes the life of my sin. There goes my life. Um, I die with that animal. And then when the fat of that animal is burned on the altar, as we've read just just earlier, um the idea is and again it's not it's not explicitly spelled out for us in the torah in a very in an explicit like in a very uh clear way but um the idea is to identify with that as well and say there is the richness of there's the uh the passions and desires that are being burned up and that's a that's a jewish thing uh, that goes back thousands of years so when paul said in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 i am crucified with christ he didn't he didn't pull that out of a hat he didn't he didn't just make that up and god didn't speak to, god didn't tell him that directly that's that is a jewish concept when it comes to a sacrifice you're supposed to identify with it I am. Di- I I die with that that animal. I die with that lamb. I die with that sheep. I die with that bull. I am, you know I am slaughtered with that. <laughs> you know what I mean in that way, so that you can say it, basically, the the bottom line is this: the whole purpose of it is to. To give you power to repent. The whole purpose of it is to, is to be a catalyst unto repentance. A catalyst to help to help you to speed up the process of repentance. To help you with that process of repentance. And What I mean by repentance is not just feeling sorry, not just regret. I'm talking about change. I'm talking about dying to that sin. I don't do it anymore. I'm a new person. I live in a new way. I don't think the same way I think. I don't live the same way I live. I died to the old self, and I'm a new creation. Um, So that's really what it's all about. And same, so again, when Paul uses, when he used these certain kind of phrases and concepts, I am crucified with Christ in Galatians uh, 2.20. And Galatians 5.24, those who belong to Christ, those who are Christ's, have crucified Christ the sinful nature with its passions and desires. Where do you get that from? Again, that's the whole idea is when the fat of the lamb is burned on the altar, there goes your passions and desires. Okay? So he he got those things are 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 based upon the sacrificial system and how it is viewed in the Jewish mind. And so when people came to the priest with their animal sacrifices and they did not um, repent, they're still wicked. It's not like why I, you know, my old self is is gone. Uh, I, you know, I'm not really seeking repentance. I'm just seeking just just a ticket. I'm just I'm just seeking a ticket to um uh, to excuse my sin. You know, um, that's why God rejected those sacrifices. He rejected them. Uh, he he was a he. It was an abomination to him. Because it's like, no, you you don't use sacrifices as a payment for sin. Because that's not how it works. You're supposed to, those sacrifices are supposed to be an outward expression of what's going on inwardly. It's supposed to be something that is actually a sacrifice. It's supposed to be something that actually shows that you've repented. But you haven't repented. Um, I heard one Jewish um, rabbi explain it like this. It's almost like this. It's, It's like if you... Let's say you're married, and your spouse is out the whole night cheating on you, and you know he comes comes home with a, with, a, with a rose. Here you go, darling. here's a rose. And there's no repentance whatsoever. That spouse is going to be very angry, right? And they're going to probably take the rose and throw it out or burn it or whatever, stomp on it, whatever, okay? And that's the way it is with God, with sacrifices. Now, if Jesus is, as Christians say, if Jesus is your sacrifice, and yet you're keeping on sinning and you're not repenting, then I believe, according to the Word of God, God will do the same thing with people. God will do the same thing with people on Judgment Day people are going to come to him and say I've said the sinner's prayer I believe in Jesus I, I you know I have faith in the cross he's going to take that rose and he's going to stomp on it he's going to say no 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 you can't do that Mm-mm-mm-mm. no way we read about something like that in Matthew 7 verses 21 to 23 um you know, Jesus said many people, not just a few, not just a, not just a, uh, one or two or, you know, a, a small percentage, but many people will come to him on the day of judgment and call him Lord. First of all, they'll come to him. They will profess him as Lord, and he will reject them. And they'll be like, but Lord, uh, we we have cast out demons in your name. Like, you, you have used us. Your We have faith. Your power worked through us. We have prophesied in your name. Lord, you spoke through us. We're, we're like prophets. Jesus didn't deny that. He did not deny that. But he said, I will turn to these people and say, depart from me, you worker you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Doesn't matter if you come to me. Doesn't matter if you call me Lord. Doesn't matter how much faith you have, you are a worker of iniquity, meaning that you live against the law of God. You violate the law of God. He's gonna say, see ya. Um so yeah, that's that's in a in a nutshell, that's that's really how it worked. Um a lot of Christians don't know the depth of it. They don't. They they don't really know the depth of of uh, of the stuff they claim to teach, right? Or the stuff they do teach and they claim to know, but they don't know. And so. Tomorrow we will be talking about the blood sacrifice, Leviticus chapter 17. Very, very interesting. We're going to to tie that into uh, Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 is a very famous portion of, of the New Testament that is used, you know, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. There's a big thing in there that a lot of Christians miss. A lot of them. And we'll get to that tomorrow, Lord willing. So, yeah. If there's anybody else that has any more uh, questions or prayer requests or anything like that, feel free to en- uh, enter them right now. Again, there is a there is somewhat of a um, delay from the time I speak it to the time you hear it to the time the time you actually put the uh, um, the comment in to the time I receive it. So, um, please do that right now. Um, Lord Willing, sometime in the near future, we will have more guests on um and uh like I said, to will there on friday, uh Lord Willing, maybe we'll have like a whole panel of people on discussing these kind of issues uh again, you know when I have different people on what i'm what i think uh people should realize is that um. It's not that we have to agree with everything, right? It's not that we have to agree with everything, but rather we should be uh, listening, right? Be like the Bereans, Acts chapter 17, the men of Berea. They heard Paul out. Whether you like Paul, lo- you know, love him or hate him, whatever, whether you like him, whether you accept him, whether re- whether you reject him, um, they heard Paul out. They heard him out. They heard his teachings. They heard his concepts that he brought forth. And they took those things, and they didn't believe it right off the bat. Not like how Christians do today. It's like everything that Paul wrote, they believe right off the bat, just because it's in the Bible. Well, that's not how the men of bria were. Okay? They took everything that Paul said and put it up against the the Scriptures. Meaning the Old Testament, so to speak. Not the new testament because the new testament wasn't written at that time so yeah so lord willing we'll do that very soon tomorrow evening lord willing same time same place 7 p.m we will pick up where we left off leviticus chapter 17 very very important portion of scripture speaking about the blood and how what does the blood what part does the blood play in the atonement process. And so we'll talk about that. Very, very important. For those of you um, who have Christian family members or friends that might be open to what we might have to say, talk about tomorrow, let them know about it. Yeah, let them know about it. Send them a link. Say, hey, check it out tomorrow. Uh, and I would love to have uh, even read comments in the live live chat um, of people who would... Have some questions or even comments, be it positive or negative, uh, whatever the case is. Uh, we'll get some dialogue going. Amen. Okay, guys. As always, you guys are awesome. One John two twenty six says. Thanks, Christopher, and good night. Thank you very much, brother. Deidre says, "Thank you." It's that's the best explanation I've ever I have ever gotten. Oh, thank you very much, Deidre. Blessings. Uh, dark says, thanks. Good. Thank you very much. KMJJ says, great night. Thank you. Shalom all. Thank you very much. KMJJ be blessed. And Deidre says, shalom, shalom. Yes, you guys are awesome. As always, I pray the Lord bless you and keep you make his face to shine upon you, lift up his countenance upon you and give you wonderful, wonderful shalom. Amen. Amen. See you tomorrow night.